0: Well, welcome to The Business of Life. I'm Arlene Dickinson. I'm here with Jan Arden. We are talking like we do every week about the business of life, everything to do with it. How's your business and life going, Jan?
1: I think it's going okay. I, um, you know, sometimes I wonder, I really do, but there's a lot of balls in the air. Like, for instance, this weekend has been spent uh, being very grateful that the sun is shining because we had... You know, snow here eight, nine days ago in Calgary, but I have my garden in and I'm trying to get my pond going in the middle of uh, our driveway. And I got people coming and going, still cleaning stuff out of my mom and dad's house, still deciding what to do with things. So that's always kind of, it's a little bit stressful to be honest, but I mean, it, it takes a village. I had some friends come out on the weekend and really helped me clean up the yard, which always looks like a nightmare when, you know, after the winter, after the snow leaves Arlene, you see what's left behind, which is a lot of dog turd. (laughs) Well, when you have a few dogs roaming around in your yard, that's to be expected. It's compost, isn't it? Uh, Not dog turd. I don't think so. I mean, uh, you guys can write in and tell me otherwise, but I think there's nothing usable about That kind of waste, I think manure is very useful because there's a lot of grass in it and I'm sure the worms... Horses and cows, that's a whole different thing. I think that is actually good for fields. But mind you, if you saw The Martian, that uh, wonderful movie with Matt Damon about a guy that's stranded on Mars, he used human poo to grow potatoes. I will not be using human poo to grow potatoes.
0: (laughs) Well... (laughs) What a relief, because I was going to ask you for some potatoes from your garden, and I would not have done that had you told me that. Well, I've had an interesting week, too. I want to hear it, all about it. Um, You know, I've been taping season 14 of Dragon's Den this week. Seasons
1: 14.
0: Yeah, and Jen, you know better than many and most how hard it is to have a hit TV show that's on the air for 14 seasons, and it was really funny this this year as I'm taping to sit down and and think about you know the thousands of pitches I've seen and the dragons that have you know come and gone off the show and the impact the show has had. Scary! <clears throat> I'm I've got something in my throat. Frog in my throat. <clears> throat. The impact that the. Uh, dragons have had on and the show has had most importantly entrepreneurs entrepreneurs in Canada and so I was I was just really feeling I was feeling tired this week because it's been a it's difficult to tape it's it's a lot of mental energy um, because you're not only looking and listening to the pictures but you're also listening to all the dragons and their points of view but at the end of the day um, you know I, I had I had a lot a little bit of an epiphany about how valuable that show is, and how grateful I am to have been part of something that's actually kind of gone out into the zeitgeist around helping people live their dreams and So, I do want to take a moment to thank the people the Canadians out there who have watched the show over the years and who have been on the show and dare to to enter the den and and put their ideas forward the people who don't go in the den but still go out there and put their ideas out there to build their businesses the the people who invest all their effort and energy into realizing their potential I mean I just have so much respect and and it really hit me this week how lucky how really really lucky I am to have been on a show that has contributed to that I I I feel enormously grateful. I, I I wish I could say it differently than than just saying thank you, but. I'm, I'm blessed to be part of something that's been on the air for 14 years that I've grown up with. And, you know, now I see people coming on the show that are in their, you know, that are in their early 30s and who say, yeah, I watched that show since I was a kid. (laughs) And, and, (laughs) you know, or I've been, you know, in their early 20s as well. You know, I've been, I've been watching since I was 10 and, and I just, it makes me pause So I'm sorry to be going on and on about it. No, not at all. uh, I'm, I'm so grateful. And so that's been my week. I've been up really early, getting ready, taping the show all day. Um, going out for most evenings trying to catch up on my business life and it's it's hard physically and mentally but I you know having gone off the show and gone back on the show, I wouldn't give it up for anything because it is a show that has deep meaning to the country and I'm
1: I, I just had to say that. Well people talk about it all the time it's it's almost, uh it's very iconic in many ways because I can't tell you how many times I've been at a party or I've been, you know, out at dinner or even with friends, you know, doing activities or whatever, driving around in my car with my pals and someone will think about something. Oh, that's a good idea. We should take it on Dragon's Den. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that absolute go-to thing where if someone thinks about having an idea that's kind of cool, well, that's where you take it. And I think there's a lot of credibility to the show as well. And that's, you know, when we're talking about the business of life, what brilliant branding to have a show that, you know, not only people are aware of, it's part of our culture, but that there's trust. And you know better than anybody about how important that is when you are selling a product whether it's a food item, whether it's something that helps you put your frickin' tent up or a frying pan that doesn't stick or any any one of these things. If Dragonstan if that name is attached to it and if people have seen that on TV and they're cheering along with the entrepreneurs, there's a real there's a real um, you can't put a price on that, can you?
0: No, and and you know it's funny because I don't think you know, ideas beget ideas, and I and I think we need to realize that. You know, one one of the things that I got from being on the show myself, personally, as a dragon, was the opportunity to listen to all these ideas, and and that sparked in me the idea to to build a fund, to create um, you know, a way to invest in more entrepreneurs. I've done more deals on that show. I've invested more money on that show than anyone else has. And I, I feel so proud of the results that we've been able to accomplish now through the fund, now through the accelerator, um, through the kitchen that we've now opened up in, in Toronto, uh, through everything we do. And that actually, you know, I owe, a, I, I owe another thanks to, to having that idea sparked in me because I was listening to other ideas. And isn't it funny, you know, you, you think these things just come to people, but no, they come because, you know, when you pay enough attention to what other people are telling you, you start to formulate your own view of what's possible. And in doing that, you start to build your own dream out. And And I think we we spend too much time marginalizing people's dreams or telling them they can't or helping them see what's, what could go wrong versus what could be right and and I, I i would not have thought of the fund and the accelerator and the things i'm doing i would not have thought of district ventures if it had not been for the people on dragon's den and so it's you know you can you can always find an idea if you look hard enough and have your an open mind and i i love that you can spark an idea, an opportunity anywhere if you, just, if you just listen hard enough, have an open enough mind, and want to make a difference and live your life fully. And, and I think that's the majority of small
1: business and entrepreneurial people in the country. Well, I mean, I find even when I see people come on the show just for me as a viewer, because I'm such a big fan of the show. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I connected with you when I was doing uh, a radio show on uh, CBC many, many years ago is when I reached out to you to, to have a conversation just about how, you know, it all works and how you juggle everything. That's kind of where we started.
0: Great. So
1: that's kind of cool. But further to that, when I watch people, even when they don't get through on the Dragon's Den, even when they don't secure a deal... Um, I mean, from what I've seen, I'm one of those people that sits, you know, with my laptop not too far away from me when I'm watching TV. And I always look up people's sites, like even when they don't get through, I'm like, that's cool. I wonder what they're doing now. So I -hmm. think even people that get on the show that may not get the funding that they want, if they're, you know, there's a lot of those guys, those men and women, young people, whatever, that are very tenacious about going forward with their deals because they're dreamers
0: and And, you know, that's a really great point, because I, in fact, i've I've spoken to a few of them. Like people always say to me, "Oh, do you wish you'd gotten that deal?" And I go, "Yeah, you know, would it would be nice to do the deal, But I'm just actually that much even happier that they didn't get a deal, and they still went on to do amazing things. I mean, I remember the guy from uh, Nate the, well the, two underwear three underwear deals. Funny enough thing. Here's a good story. There was. I always wanted to do an underwear deal for some reason. Don't ask why. But I kept trying to do underwear deals on the show. But I was too cowardly to do one on my own. So I kept trying to partner with another dragon to do them. And because I wasn't quite sure, I understood enough about the business. But there were three different businesses that came on the show. One was a company called Core Shorts, which was a compression compression short for athletes and for anybody who wanted compression a around compression their thighs. Compression short. Yes, it's it's a, it's a training short. For athletes, it, it he went on to do incredibly well. Such a good idea. Um, tried to do that deal, didn't? Didn't uh, it? Didn't work. Then I tried to do the deal with a guy. Um, his name was Trent, who came on the show, and Trent had a company called Sacks S A X S A X X SAX underwear for men. <laughs> so both. So so far, both of these underwears are mostly for men. Um, so Saks was uh, for men, and. <laughs> And, uh, literally it, it, it held, um, your parts of your body tighter. <laughs> so you can only imagine oh, yeah. I, which parts. I would parts.
1: say the wieners yes. and beans, wieners yeah, and beans. The beans,
0: it held the beans tighter. Yeah, yeah. It held the beans tighter. Um, and <laughs> he went, <laughs> that's funny. It held the beans tighter, um, at any rate, he went on to do uh, in in incredibly well uh, doing what he did, sold his business. I, I couldn't make that deal happen, although I, I tried to, and I stayed in, in touch with Trent because he was such a, a great guy, and he's gone on. He went on to do another business, uh, another couple businesses, and then the third one was uh, the guy from Naked. Naked, uh, his name was Joel, and Joel had an uh, uh, underwear company called Naked that... Also went on to do amazingly well and sold out. And I did not get in any of those deals as much as I tried, all men's underwear. Um, and I don't know what that says about me, but I had a, I tried to do the deals. I didn't do them, but all three of them went on to huge success. And I'm really happy for them, really, really happy for them.
1: We get asked a lot about Dragon's Den. I do, Be- even because of my association with you. They're like, oh, what happens and how do they do this and how do you get on and what? App- blah, blah, blah. Anyway, what you just finished talking about is when you're cheering for people that you haven't necessarily had deals with, that you haven't done the deals with, um, the fact that, you're all, that you are altruistic, and I think that is something that can be really lacking um, in, in society in general. I would really love to see people cheer each other on more, and I've said this before, because he or she succeeds does not mean that you fail. And often I find that that environment is quite prevalent. I'm a business person, first and foremost. Um, It's the reason why I'm still standing, you know, going well into my third decade in the music business as, you know, as well as other things that I do. And it's because I really do cheer other people on. And I think they have cheered me on. And it makes a big difference in, in how I navigate all the businesses that I involve myself in. Yeah, it's it's so
0: true. You you are constantly upbeat about other people's success and and it is you're right you know you, you why why do you have to diminish anybody's uh, success i mean you, just simply because i didn't win doesn't mean they can't and oh, exactly. And, yeah and I, I find it fascinating actually you know and, and sometimes you know people say oh well they were you know i didn't want to do that or they were this or they were that but you know what ultimately they were they were tenacious and they had persistence and they they struggled and they did all the things they needed to do to see their dreams come true and so the show is really all of that. I, I And I also, I also had I, I had a really I'm sorry I'm talking a lot but I had a no. um, a really interesting week so that happened this week and then I also ended up and Jan you were there
1: so you um, Yeah you know, please talk about this. This is unbelievable.
0: Yeah we we hosted a dinner uh, with General Romeo Dallaire <clears throat> this week to talk about his child soldier initiative and, and the foundation he's got to make sure that kids aren't weapons of war. And, you know, there's times in your life that you meet humans that you kind of go, that man's a hero, that person, that woman is a hero. And here was a man who was left in Rwanda, was told to abandon the people there and, and chose not to, chose to ignore orders and stay behind and do what he could to help the the, Sid, the Rwandans who were being literally slaughtered and with with machetes yeah with machetes in front of him and he saw and witnessed all that yet he chose to stay and so I I feel like I, I know I'm talking about very opposite things but to me they they have an underlying thing that and that is that people who live their own lives are heroes people who. You know that whether you're an entrepreneur and you live your life the way you want to live it, um, you're a hero to yourself and to the people you support and the people around you, or whether you're a general and you know as General Delaire was, who chose to do the right thing in the midst of you know court martial and all the other things that could have happened to him. Um, and become a hero for people who can't speak for themselves. Heroes come in many forms, but ultimately, they come in the shape of people who do what they believe in and stand up for what's right and to do the thing that matters most to them as humans. And I I have so much respect for him. He wasn't he amazing? I mean, what did you think? You were there?
1: Yeah, it was it was so lovely. It was people from all all walks of life, all different businesses, entrepreneurs, artists, poets, um, but uh, I loved how you had this table set up. So there was, I think, was there 30 of us, Arlene? Yeah, there was 30 of us. And, uh, the table was set up in a way that we were all facing in and looking at each other and, and Arlene hosted it and we had, um, you know, a, a beautiful meal and, and got to know each other a little bit before the dinner. And then at the dinner, it was very intimate because it wasn't like someone standing in front of us at a podium. It was like talking to each other at a lovely dinner. And, uh, Arlene, you introduced General Dallaire and, He got up and uh, honestly, I don't think I've ever cried, (laughs) you know, over a meal in my life. Um, And just, but good, a good cry, a cry where you, you're so filled with gratitude about somebody's passion. And, uh, this is a man that has, you know, suffered enormously. It's been a great personal cost to him that he stayed behind and witnessed really the, the murder of a million people. Um, and, um, he spoke so eloquently about how children, I mean, listen to this sentence, everybody, how children are used as mass weapons of war, not only in Rwanda, but they are used in every conflict on our planet. Children are recruited. They are used um, to murder uh, other people, uh, to carry bombs, to... I mean, it It was so horrendous, it's so hard to even get my head around, but he spoke calmly and he spoke about solutions. He spoke about, uh, I think, the Canadian his this um, initiative that that he has launched with some very very intelligent, um, educated people that have done this as their what would you say PhD, Arlene? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, have done um, incredible work of twenty one points, twenty one international values that. They wanted other countries to adopt in uh, in basically abolishing the use of children in any kind of warfare. And they were hoping to get, you know, gosh, it would be great to get 10 other countries, you know, with Canada, with this initiative. And I think uh, General Delaire said they have 95 countries that have adopted these 21 points, these 21 things that um, are of, they're internationally the same in every country of how we can stop using children to, 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 as murder weapons of war. Um, it was, it was unbelievable. I left, I didn't sleep that night, honest to God. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, um, it
0: was really interesting to me because it wasn't until we were sitting there that I started to think about how children are used as weapons of war in the U.S. When they're put, you know, when when
1: refugees' kids are put into cages, that's using a child as a weapon of war. You know, that was a great point right? of 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 the children that are being uh, separated from their parents when they come across the U.S. border. Right, uh, all those separations. You're right, Arlene. They are used. They they are used as as. Yeah, as weapons to get your way, as weapons to win
0: the argument, uh, using children. One of the thoughts we had at dinner was that, hey, it's really hard sometimes to imagine what kids in Syria or Rwanda or on other parts of the world are having to go through because it seems distant and it doesn't seem real. But we talked about how just, just to the north of us, children were being used literally as weapons against the fight against refugees and about immigrants and, you know, putting children in cages so that, you know, people started to, you know, To separate, to using the kids and their separation from their parents as a method and a a means to win what was a war against immigration and and refugees. And um, it made me think, as we were talking about that, Jan, about amber alerts. There was an amber alert this week in uh, Ontario. And people get this people actually called 911 to complain about the Amber Alert waking them
1: up. What do you think of that? I, it's almost, you know what I like in that too? And maybe this is a little severe, but say you're at a gas station. You see a guy, you know, with a ball cap, wrenching a five-year-old's arm into a car. And this, it's not like a normal, it's not a mom and dad or family fight over. I want more candy or I didn't get my bag of chips. This is clearly someone being taken against their will. So I'm just saying, there's your visual, you know? Um, and are people going to complain at the gas station? Like, I don't want to see that. Like, does that have to happen here? I mean, shut up, stop screaming. It's like, that this, this alert has been proven to work. This is, this is telling us as a society, as an empathic, caring society, we hope someone is being abducted and you can help stop it right now. You could help stop uh, a homicide. You could help stop harm to this child. Um, and to complain about that listen wake me up anytime wake me up 10 times a night if you need to i can handle it yeah this was a 3 year old
0: child who was abducted by his mother and people so so the, the it's kind of insult to injury what people did first of all they called 911 to complain they tied Okay well that's that's abusive that's abusive of, it's abuse of the 911 line which is meant for emergencies hi, I have an emergency. I didn't sleep well because you called, sent out an Amber Alert. Like two bad there's a three-year-old child and then and then they were saying well it's the mom it's always the parents so why are you doing an amber alert it's just a parental thing it's a family issue we don't know that Well, nobody even if, knows anything but even if it is a parent that doesn't mean the child is in safe hands that doesn't mean that the parent isn't going to do something you know ill or horrible to the child like it's just
1: i'm sorry people like oh wait well, you know what well, wait to till str- it's their kid arlene <sighs> Well, hopefully, it- wait till it's their kid. I'm not saying that's a horrible thing to even think about, but I'm telling you, you must personalize these things. You must put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Imagine the horror to those of you that are parents. And all I can even liken it to is my little dog. And I know that's ridiculous, but I love my damn dog. If someone, if you know, if if my kid was taken, I can only imagine how horrendous that would be. Especially if it was by. A partner or a parent, uh, uh, your your the co-parent in whatever situation that was taken against your will and taken against the law illegally. Yeah, if they're using Amber Alert, they that is their last. That is their last threshold. That is something well, that's that because- they don't want to do. They're doing it because that is. That's where it's gotten to. Well, it's and not they, like they, they do they, it all the time. And
0: they believe that the child is in danger or they yes. wouldn't do it. So, you know, like, I, I guess I, I'm like, what is wrong with showing that you and care? What is wrong with showing that you actually give a. a Uh, uh, crap crap about what's going on in this world like when did our sleep become more important than a child when did we stop losing and start stop losing compassion or stop stop having compassion and start losing our minds relative to what matters in this world like I'm just I, I was livid I was so mad this morning when I when I read about this Jan I was like going what on earth are it, I don't know if these people don't have children and, and also don't have pets and you know
1: so they don't care about anything other than themselves. I don't know. I don't know who. I would I would probably venture to say you're dealing with people that are so out of out of step with what's going on in the world and it's their loss. Um, shame on them. Uh, the the greatest assets that you will have in your life is community. The greatest assets are your friendships. People ask me constantly about. What success means to me, and I've said this many times before, and I know I'll say it many times again. My friendships are such a, a measure of the success that I've had in my life. I, it has nothing to do with music. It has nothing to do with money. Has nothing to do with record deals. It is my friends that have stood by me through the worst of times, the best of times. I know I'm sounding like a Dickens novel, but your community, my neighbors, my neighbors that are half a mile from me, uh, people that I've known, people that I can count on, and they can count on me. Um, What a great feeling as I go forward in my life, and I'm sure yours too. I mean, you could call me, Arlene. You can amber or alert me at any time, night or day, and I would help you. I would help any of my friends. I would hop on a plane. I would do whatever I could to, to do what I... Whatever you needed me to do. And this is what we're asking each other as a community. We don't have to know each other to care about each other. And until that really is something people understand and something that people embrace, you do not have to know the person in order to care about them. In fact, contrarily to that, it's, it's caring about people you don't know people that you've never met, that will make a difference between if we make it as a society and as a culture or if we do not. Yeah, that's what defines your humanity. I mean, the your ability
0: to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, that ability to be empathetic, but also to just take a moment and realize that people are struggling. There are, and especially people who can't talk for themselves or speak up for themselves or stand up for themselves, especially children. And, and you know, you get this constant thing about, well, those, you know, the parents shouldn't have had the kids. Like this is the same as the breakfasting You know, we don't care if those kids don't get breakfast at school because it's the oh. parents shouldn't have had them. Well, you know, I'm sorry, the kids didn't ask to be born into those parents' home. But, you know, there were even callers on this thing, Jan, that on this incident that were asking to be removed from the uh, Amber Alert system.
1: Well, well then let's, let's remove the roads, Let's, let's remove the roads and the hospitals and the infrastructure that is created by people that pay taxes, people that all of us paying taxes to support our law enforcement, our first responders. Do you know what these people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. And, and thank heavens, Arlene, this is a fraction of our population. Yeah. So it's people still- need to know that, but it's always those ones that seem so absurdly out of line and out of step that get the attention. And... You know, for the most part I think people are very agreeable to this type
0: of of uh, alert system. Could you imagine calling 911 and getting a busy signal because some idiot was on the other line complaining to the operators about amber alerts? Could you imagine being in a situation of danger yourself, calling 911 and not being able to get through because the operators were I I mean I I I
1: don't know what how many lines they have, but I imagine they don't have infinite numbers of they don't. lines? There's many times there where, where they're saying that, uh, you know, ambulances, um, and I, my friend is is in HR for a small town just, just west of the city of Calgary, so she does all the stuff with the first responders and their ambulances and things like that, and she goes, Jan, there are evenings where on a Saturday night, if things go a certain way, whether there's lightning storms or something where these responders are called, she goes, sometimes we are down to one ambulance left. Yeah. Crazy. and we are we're really trying to make things work and 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 stretch our resources so this is this is appalling to me and i and i don't think i speak you and i aren't alone in this like i said the majority of people are very agreeable to this and would do anything to help and and to be part of a system that saves kids lives yeah yeah well
0: for those of you who didn't want to be woken up, I think they should publish your number, and we'll give you a shout just to be your wake-up call from now on.
1: Oh, my gosh. We'll make them listen to the podcast <laughs> all right. night and day. <laughs> There's it's an coming idea. your way. Right. And, you know, just just as to summarize that whole conversation, here's General Dallaire. Here's a 73-year-old guy who's tired. He's been in the armed forces his, pretty much his whole adult life. and his last 20 years, he has spent trying to save, get this, not only children that aren't from this country, not, not children that you know are, are Canadian or American for that matter. These are children on the other sides, the other corners of this globe that are involved in conflicts. He's trying to save children that are, you know, being put on the front lines of, of warfare. Like this guy is shame on us. We have so much to learn from some of these unbelievably philanthropic and he just completely, they just give of themselves to the point where they have nothing left for themselves. He he looked tired that night, Arlene. He looked, he said, listen, I'm getting tired and I'm i am handing the baton to these brilliant women who have PhDs and who are are making a science out of helping these children. We're sitting here talking about,
0: you know, Amber Alerts and, and children on the other side of the world being used as weapons of war and and my I felt I actually felt my blood pressure rising, Jan, I, I did. And, and, and so I don't know if you know this, but do you know that anger
1: is worse for your health than sadness? Oh, I I can imagine how many people have literally ruined their health, being angry. I, I think it's probably up there in the stress family, would it not be? Yeah, I,
0: apparently. Well, the the research that I read said that anger is worse for your health than sadness, especially for older adults. Researchers found that all that rage can lead to the risk of heart disease, arthritis, and even cancer. Oh, so I believe that. Yeah, because you know when you you meet an angry person, it's like they're a a tense ball, right? They're 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 all you can feel they're wound up inside and they and they're like a you're you're afraid to even touch them because they're gonna fireworks will come off them. You can sense it, right? You can sense anger. Sadness you can also sense. Um, but I, I I believe that anger is harder on you because you do feel your sadness you just feel it's a it's a weight and it's difficult and it it's very hard to overcome too but I, I i don't know that it has the physical impact well according to the study it doesn't that anger does it's an and en- en- anger is an energizing emotion that can help motivate people to pursue life goals younger seniors may be able to use that anger as fuel to overcome life's challenges it becomes problematic however once they reach 80 years old because that is when many experience Irreversible losses and some of life's pleasures fall out of reach. (laughs) Yep. Right? You know this. Yeah. You
1: saw this, right? Yeah. I, you know, my dad was angry his whole life, Arlene. He was a guy, you know, when I look back now, now that I've had some distance, he's been gone, I don't know, three and a half years. And this is a guy that I am positive for when he was an alcoholic, but in his defense... I think he self-medicated as a lot of probably men did in 50s and 60s, 70s that worked hard and it was that whole liquid lunch mentality of wheeling and dealing and you know, having martinis and beers at one and that turned into like a four hour debacle but anyway, I think my dad self-medicated but I also think he was very, he was very depressed and I think he, um, can you hear my dog barking in the background? Hmm. Hi, Mitty. I don't know if... Mitty, stop it. We're talking about depression. <laughs> anyway, stop. Um, stop. he he was very depressed, but, you know, talking about anger, Arlene, the man never said, he never had a conversation with me. My dad yelled at me my whole life. And this is a man that was riddled with health problems. So exactly to what you were just talking about, he had heart issues, he had diabetes. And I'm not, I'm not a doctor. And I'm certainly not saying you're getting diabetes because you're angry all the time. But his blood pressure was sky high. He, um, he had circulatory problems. He had vision problems. He had macular degeneration. Um, he was—he was a terrible sleeper. He had terrible, like a Crohn's style type of disease with his his intestinal gut health. I mean, he was riddled with stuff, and you cannot tell me that it, it, it's not unreasonable that anger and the way that he lived his life in such—he was peeved off at the whole world, and I don't know why, Arlene. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that is, you know, why is really the question, right? What What happens that people just, yeah, it's it it's so sad. It is so sad to think about carrying around that much anger and and hatred, and, I, and it must come from a real place of insecurity and loss. Like, I'll never just... figure it out. Yeah, I I don't I don't have an answer for that. Jen. But I mean,
1: but when you're talking about health, when you were listing off those things, um... It really is a detriment to live your life as angry as your default setting. And a lot of people go to that before they'll problem solve, they'll just they'll be angry. And I always feel sick after I've been mad, and I don't get mad very often. Like I have to really really be pushed in order to be confrontational with someone. It's not who I am, it's not how I deal with problems. I like solving problems. I mean, I hate fighting in relationships. I am the person that walks into another room or walks away or said, or I'll say, can I please, can we talk about this? We just need to calm down. And I'm so glad I don't drink anymore because I was so... I became very confrontational drinking. And it reminded me so much of my dad to be like that. And I literally made myself sick. I used to have lots of heart issues. And um, it had a lot to do with just, you know not being in a in a peaceful place and i'm so grateful to be working towards something that's going to serve me much better as i get older
0: yeah you know it's interesting you say that because we we've had this conversation recently where we were dealing with a business issue and and i i kind of had the i i wasn't angry as much as i was trying to I, I, I don't think it was even aggression. I would say it was me just trying to defend a position. And, you know, what happens a lot with women in particular, Jan, is that when we when we stand up and we, we have a view and we want to say what we're thinking, <clears throat> we get either told we're shrill or we're aggressive or we're being, you know, un- unreasonably angry or... Bitchy. You know, or bitchy, whatever yeah. you want to... And And, and I really hate that. I really hate when in business, I stand up for what I I think is right and believe. And I I do call people out when I think they don't do what they told me they were going to do. and, And it makes me and I, and I really hate the patronizing kind of view that that means somehow I am being difficult or bitchy or that I don't, you know, I just don't get how to, you know, get along with that, you know, other side. That is not the fact. The fact of the matter is, is that you can get run over in business. And if you don't learn to stand up for what you believe and what you, you know, thought the agreement was, then you will pay a price. And I don't like being criticized for that. It really it bothers me. Um, you know, we've had this conversation before. what would, would where a man I don't have would a an man intermediary be that
1: way? Do you think, Arlene? Sorry to interrupt. But would a man deal with those issues, or would he be? Well, he's just strong. He's very affirmative. He's very. He knows what he wants. You know what? Like the language for men seems to be much different than the language for women. And that's that's. I'm not saying anything new. But women talk about that all the time in business of of the language.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think I think if a man was doing what I'm what I do, they would not be viewed as difficult. They they would be viewed as you know, yeah, they're they're very strong and they can be you know, they can they can they can they certainly you know want things their assertive. way assertive, assertive, but you know they wouldn't be viewed the same way.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I mean, it's slowly changing because I think women are having more candid conversations about that. I, uh, But there is a fine line too. I I, I I, agree with you. I think you do have to defend yourself. I think you do have to stand up for what you believe. And I, I am much better at that now at 57 than I was at 37. I am doing business in a way that I never thought would be possible for me. Um, I was always quite agreeable because I didn't like confrontation. I mean, I always got things done and, and really when it came, at the end of the day, I'd say, listen, I don't like this. I'm not comfortable with it. But it took me a while, right, to get there. Now, I am out of the gate. I will listen to the table, whatever's happening. But if it's not something that is going down right for me, I will stop it and I will stand up for myself. And I'm so grateful that as a woman getting older, that I have found that within my own body. It's a voice that I didn't even know was there. So that part of getting older, that part of being more mature, that part of owning really who I am, what I like, what I dislike, has been one of the most lovely parts about getting older for me. Yeah, uh,
0: I I would agree that. I think you know having more measuredness and or being more measured and responding um, appropriately and not getting upset is something I I I do I do agree you have to work on and as you get older it becomes more uh, more easy to do but I I don't use um, I I do negotiate my own stuff and I do find that sometimes that can get in the way of what should be a reasonableness or where I have to, you know, kind of stand up for what I believe. And, and that somehow that scene is, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know, Jen, I can't quite explain it, but I, I'm, I just feel this is something that in the negotiation world, um, somebody who is, is strong about what they believe was said, um, it's not somebody who is angry. It is somebody who is just trying to make sure the deal was exactly as it was outlined. So I don't know. I I feel it's a a difficult, it's very difficult for me. And then there's always this kind of tit-for-tat side of it that I really hate. Well, if you do that, then I'm going to do this, (laughs) you know, which...
1: It's kind of like a relationship in a way too because there is a bartering that goes on. But I you know, anything worth doing, I, I think is, is going to cause you some grief. Like I really believe that, you know, that old adage, I'm sure your, your father and mother said this to you, you know, it's, if everyone was, you know, if it, everyone would be doing it, if it was easy. And, uh, and, and that's the truth. I, I realize that the path that you and I have both gone down as entrepreneurs, as people in the arts, um, you know, anybody out there that's, that's trying to bring an idea to life. You're going to have so much opposition um, that it it can it can get in the way. But I think it can also make you much more tenacious. Um, it's not always about getting it right or having things work out. It it's about having those walls go up and figuring out ways of getting around them. Figuring out how to dig down deep and find solutions and I think you and I are similar in that way that we're not going to be pushed too far and I think people will push 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 and then they'll suddenly realize oh I did it a little too much and that's when you kind of tend to bite back and I think that's okay too I would never admonish people for you know Kind of lashing out or being aggressive, I I think women especially, we're allowed to do that. We are allowed to be that voice. We're allowed to yell in a room. We're allowed to say no damn way. We're allowed to upset the apple cart. I don't think playing it safe is is always the way to go. Well, on that note, we have to play it
0: safe and say goodbye. Well, this is a great note to leave on. Get out there and kick some butt. Kick some butt and... (laughs) <laughs> Our time always just flies by. Jan, I. Yeah, I honestly, I just saw you. I I really appreciate you. And um, I'm not mad at you, just so you know. Okay. I'm not angry. I'm not going to be angry. <laughs> okay. Anyway, talk to your friends, everybody. Bye.
1: Bye.